I am unashamed. What about you? So, Jace, you're not going to believe it. I'm looking at a, looking out my window at a sea, but it's not the Gulf of Mexico. Can you guess the sea that is right outside my window that I'm looking at? The Aegean Sea. Ooh, very good. I did not expect that. Did you do some homework or you just... I did uh, not, but Al, I was in Greece and... Um, oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I am surprised that was the right answer. <laughs> it is the right answer. So that's yeah. why I'm looking at the Aegean Sea. So I'm on the Isle of Crete. And Dad, you'll appreciate this. This was... So where I'm looking out, I did a little research and went back to Acts 27. And I sort of, you know, because Paul was here when he, right before he got shipwrecked. Well, before so you get into that, path. Al, what, what, what are you doing yeah. there? Because I don't know. Tell, so our viewers probably well, do not either. Um, I'm doing as little as possible. I'm not. It's just strictly for fun, tours. Oh, I'm really? not doing okay. anything of consequence. Yeah, it's, but, but I did want to get on the podcast with y'all because I thought it was really cool to be here and to be in Crete because – Paul literally sailed by I me. Mean, I'm looking out here on the AGNC, as Jace correctly called it, and he he went by here. Yeah. And he went right around the horn, and he went behind just across the island. He wanted to winter in Phoenix, and the centurion said, no, nope, we're, we're pushing on, which was a bad call. Fourteen days later, they wound up almost to Italy. They just got dragged there. The ship went out from under them, and they all swam in, and that was the end of that. So, so, uh, but I, I wanted to tell you, I'm literally yeah. looking at where he was. Hmm. Technically, you're doing research and development, Al, for the Bible. You're, you're putting the pictures with the words. That is true. That is true. I guess that's one of the positives of me being here. We took a little, Lisa and I went on a little European cruise, went to Venice, Italy, went to the Balkans. I was, I tell you what, I was very impressed with the Balkans. Now, we're talking about Croatia, Montenegro, you know, all those countries that used to be Eastern Bloc. They came out of that, but they're very pro-American, but more importantly, they're very pro-Christianity. They're like 90% Christian, which I didn't know that till I went through there and visited some of the places, but it's, it's okay. impressive. I mean, the whole, the whole region over here was really impressive. So anyway, we wound up here in Crete, be here a few more days. So, Well, there's a little restaurant just outside of Athens that's on the shores of the sea. I mean, it's, it's yeah. out and, uh, I'm not sure which direction, but I mean, it, I highly recommend it. It was really good. I remember you telling me about that. We, we're going to be in Athens a day before we come home. So I may try to look for that. So, Jace, you've had a big uh, you've had a big week since the last time you were on Unashamed. Tell everybody what you were doing. I have. We went to New York to promote our show, Duck Family Treasure, and uh, it's going going really well. I mean, it probably looks easy to do these little five minute, ten minute segments, just one right after another, because they st- you go to one, you go to the next, but it's a little more difficult than it seems. You don't know what they're going to ask you. And a lot of it's live TV, which is a dangerous position to be in, huh, Phil? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we we got through it. I mean, I I what I think the energy of people are enjoying the show, and that that kind of promoted, I guess, just our overall demeanor. I mean, I, I'm I'm humbled and excited that. I mean, it all started right here, Unashamed Nation. Yeah. They were behind this whole show and the, this idea. So uh, it's going going well. Well, I love that. When you, I saw you on the, from over here, I found the first Fox and Friends, and it was you and Missy and um, Jeff and Jessica. And you said that on the very first interview. You were like, hey, our podcast audience said, we want this show. And so we made it. So have you yeah. been getting good response to it from the folks? We really have. And look, it's the same thing. It, it, You know, you think about, and I said, look, I was, before I came here this morning, I was on Fox and Friend, Friends this morning. Uh, I'm not sure what day this will air, but because after we left and come home, it was amazing from their point of view of how many people watched every time we were on. And so... Uh, so they're like, hey, how about when we release these last five episodes, you come in the next morning. So at five o'clock this morning, my dogs were barking. You know, they showed up. They got these mobile camera crews now. They just show up 
they set up a camera. Missy and I sat down outside. They put an earpiece in your ear one minute before your own TV. And you're just <laughs> standing there or sitting there looking at a camera. And they're talking in your ear. It's a little more difficult. At 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, at 6 o'clock in the morning. So, uh, but... No, uh, it 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 went well, but what I said this morning was, uh, I was like, "Look, we're we're ordinary people, but if you look at why these shows are successful, it's not based on talent, obviously. I mean, we're we're you can't be any more simple minded than this show. But what I kind of realized and what I shared this morning was, I said, you know, when I think back to when I was a kid, I mean, we were a broken family. I mean, you've written three books about your demise and they're making a movie about it, you know, about when we were kids. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, some God-loving church people and your sister go on a mission and, and they share jesus with you and my mom and all of a sudden this transformation occurs and through that process in an effort for y'all since your heart and mine has been changed you're wanting to spend more time with your kids and do things and so then we have the outdoors you move in the middle of nowhere and we have all these moments you know that built our family well when you fast forward that to duck you know our duck first duck show and now this show it's the same concept. It's a family. It's not about making duck calls. It, that that Duck Dynasty was not about how to make duck calls and be successful doing it. That was just the backdrop for our family to spend all these moments together. And then the same as this treasure hunting show. We said from day one it wasn't going to be about what we found. It, we're outside, we're together, we're meeting other families, we're getting kids involved in doing this, and you have these moments. Because really when you're thinking, you know, life can be difficult, especially now. I mean, look from the economy to, to all the social issues and what's going on and wayward use, you know, shooting up schools and different things. So we're like, here's an idea. Get you a metal detector and go out there and spend some quality time. This is fun. This is good, clean fun where you're with other people, you're with your family, you're having conversations, you're having adventures, and it's all based on things that we've read in the Bible. I mean, it all comes back to Luke 15 in my mind because when Murray asked me for the first time to go metal detecting, and I thought, what is this? He said, it's treasure hunting. Well, I just got my Bible and read everywhere there. It was mentioned about treasure hunting. I come up on Luke 15 and I thought, well, if the God of the universe is comparing him coming to earth to find treasure people, that's why he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. And then he uses earthly illustrations like finding a lost coin or finding a lost sheep. And then it got serious when it's like the return of your son, you know, the prodigal son. I was like, maybe there's something I ought to get into. So that was kind of, that's kind of was the mode of what we did, the interviews, that this is people who are not, unash we're unashamed of our faith, where we focus on family and relationships and trying to help, you know, help people and love our neighbor. And through that, these, these are some good adventures and fun along the way. So if uh, just so the audience will know, and I know we've said it before, but let's say it again. So all 10 episodes now are available. If you go to foxnation.com, right, and subscribe, then you got access to all 10 episodes of the new show. Yeah. And breaking news. Look, my wife, she binge watches. She had never seen the show. She's in two or, two or three of the episodes. She, she hadn't watched them. So she watches them yesterday, the whole series. <laughs> So, I, you know, I thought, well, do you like it? She's like, I loved it, which I thought was, was great because she, she tried the metal detecting during one of the episodes. And uh, yeah. now that I can talk about these shows, it's, it's nice. But so we get out there. She finds a, a button right off the bat. So I thought she's going to love this. And then we found this old cool aluminum uh, token from – from an oil company, you know, it was, it was a cool moment. I thought she's going to really love this, 
And then she said, all right, I'm out of here. She said, I tried it. It's good for you. Well, you know, the producer's looking around at me like, I was like, what do you want me to do about it? She, she's had enough. She's gone. She said, I want to go to these antique shops up here. And so I'm so glad I did. I said, why don't you send a skeleton crew with her up there? Because treasure comes to people in different forms. I mean, what she lo- thinks and views as treasure hunting is going to an antique shop in town and spending money and finding some. That That is her treasure. I said, send a crew up there with her and film it. But so they put yeah. that in the episode. They and not to my surprise, it was actually entertaining watching her talk to herself. She was by herself, which is probably a bold move for TV. But uh, but you, you know, think about it though, Jay. She she is doing the same thing as you because same thing. You go to an antique store, you're looking, but you're just looking for stuff that somebody's already laid out. You just got to find the treasure that matters to you that someone else has already left behind. It's the same basic thing. I mean, I hope without the digging. Yeah. I see where people, I mean, they, they bought into what we're, what we're putting out there, which is the ultimate treasure has nothing to do with something physical you find in the ground. It is about relationships and family and experiences and all that. But also part of that is, is people are different. I mean, my wife and I, we've documented it on podcasts here. We cannot be any different. But she does her thing, and I do my thing. And when you come together, it makes for interesting conversation, which is what happened in that that episode. But what I was going to say is is she binge watches it. She said she loves it, which was a big relief for me. She's like, I'm telling you. I mean, what she said was she's like, she said, this is way better than Duck Dynasty. I said, babe, that's a pretty big statement. I said, uh. <laughs> but so she really liked it. But she said, but we need to have a talk. I was like, about what? Of course, obviously I'm in trouble. She's like, what in the world are you doing? Because I in, in one of the episodes, I got caught up in the excitement of an auction, trying to do something, you know, for a friend. Nice. And she's like, you are not allowed to go by yourself to an auction ever again unless i'm there and so because i have had a history you know when we go to auctions and and al you've been there uh and you're doing something for a great cause and you think well you set aside a sum of money and you raise your little piece of paper but then you you never realize well what happens when somebody starts to battle you and i'm such a competitor and you know the numbers get bigger, and I don't care because I want now. I'm in. <laughs> so uh, she didn't like that. <clears throat> so maybe I should. <clears throat> Sorry. Maybe I should have told her that I bought a cannon for nine thousand dollars and then gave it to my good buddy. But uh, <laughs> well, so hasn't been there. Some, some things that I would not allow your mother to dictate that much policy on where I'm going. Well, she didn't, ready to go she didn't That's say I couldn't go. She just said, <laughs> I I'm, I'm going with you. Yeah. <laughs> and why didn't you tell me you did that? And I was like, well, babe, it was a good, you know, it was a good thing. And I said, and technically, I just was paying because he was trying to buy it at first. I just stepped in when he said, I'm not paying anymore. <clears throat> I just stepped in for the extra. Yeah. You know, well, the other yeah, thing. To miss his the- defense. To Missy's defense, Dad, you never bought a $9,000 cannon either, so that's, that's there. No. Hang on. Dad, let's take a break. Well, it's the summer months. You know it because your ice cubes are melting. That's what's happened to me over here in Crete. Uh, during this time, more than any other, I am depending on my Tommy John underwear. And both of you can speak to this because y'all work outside. You're in the heat. Jace, you're doing your treasure hunt and feel you're on the property we need some comfortable underwear. Don't ride up on us, but also have the ability to wick away this heat. And that's what Tommy John's does. Uh, I've been a huge fan of Tommy John's long before they were a sponsor on our podcast, but I especially love them now. I'm loving them over here in Greece. There's been 17 million pairs sold, which means that people love it. And they also love their loungewear. Uh, as do I. So I've uh, been wearing Tommy John since the beginning. Love them. Uh, and you should too, because I think you'll love them as well. And remember, there's no risk because Tommy John's has a best pair you'll ever wear 
or it's free guarantee. So they'll send you your money back, but trust me, you won't want to do that because you're going to love them. Here's what you do. Go to tommyjohn.com slash Phil. Right now, you're going to get 20% off your first order. That's 20% off right now at tommyjohn.com slash Phil. tommyjohn.com slash Phil. See their site for details. So, Dad, tell us about you had an interesting uh, weekend as well. You had a little visitor uh, family come to visit you. Ben Ben Carson. A couple uh, somebody may know. His people from the podcast, uh, uh, who lined up the podcast? You with him earlier? Yeah, he was on our yeah. podcast. And, and look, on Unashamed podcast. Nation loved that, and he was awesome. Yeah. He is awesome. I, I thought he did fantastic. Yeah, but he brought up. his wife, Candy. Yep, met her. Miss Kay and her were two peas in the same pod there. Uh, but but I told Ben, I said, Ben. So they spent the day with you? Is- yeah, a couple of days. Two yeah. days. Okay. We went. We we went over here. And well, that, this is this is breaking news, Phil. I imagine if people knew that you and Ben Carson spent a couple of days in the woods together. <laughs> well, I reminded him. I said, "Do you understand that in the woods with Ben, something big is going on in our country?" And I said, "It's a positive thing." I said, "It's huge," and he said, "What would that be?" He's a quiet spoken man. I said, "When you see." rednecks running with brain surgeons. I said, that's big. That's big, Ben. <laughs> did he laugh at that? Oh, did he laugh? Yeah. He, he, I said, just think about this. You know, rednecks and brain surgeons in the same vehicle going somewhere of one mind. In the woods. I said, we are coming together, dude. So, yeah, he laughed at it. But we got was stuck. It, he, he said his favorite thing that happened was when I buried up the four-wheeler in a ditch over there. You got stuck? I, I backed off. I said, I'll make it. And I hit it, and I just buried it up. And, of course, when you just romp on a four-wheeler <laughs> and you're stuck, mud is flying on your left and your right, and some of it coming in the vehicle. So he was being, you know, tattered with hunks of mud big as your fist. I noticed he was ducking and all that. He said, I had more fun with that than anything that's ever happened. I said, well, I didn't. I said, because I don't like to get stuck. I said, but, you know, thank the Lord, we have a winch. I said, so we fixed the winch out of this, Ben, but it's, it's muddier than I thought it was here. So see, to all these people who think we just make up this stuff on these shows, you're now hearing that this is what happens, right. you know. So that's exactly. Right. But you think about it, Dad. So, so Ben Carson here is a kid from Detroit, very, very humble, poverty beginnings. I mean, his story is incredible. Highly intelligent. Winds up becoming highly intelligent. Very intelligent. Way past gets, my uh, educated at a major, a major university. Becomes a world-renowned neurosurgeon. And yet he said the most fun he's ever had in his life was getting stuck in the woods with you in Louisiana. I mean, that just shows you people have to be exposed to more of our culture, right? To really appreciate what's We were in the middle of, of the woods. There's about, you know, we got, you know, now about 1,600 acres. So it's all woods and all floods. But, you know, he was just looking around saying, man, he said, this is in the middle of nowhere. I said, yeah, it's way back in here. I said, this is where we come. This is where we come and uh, interact together. Places like this. I said it's quiet, Ben. There's no static, no yah yah yah, no marching, hollering, carrying on, and it's just not here. It's, it's quiet, peaceful. So one of the things liked- I appreciate about Dr. Carson doing was he offered to speak uh, at our church at Whitesbury Road for a community-wide event on Saturday night. Which he did, and there was a pretty good crowd there, huh, Dad? And so how did that go? Good crowd. It went well. And uh, and Ben pulled it off, but I didn't think he But He held their attention. He spoke for about an hour and a half. So there's a – but he had a lot of stories about when he was uh, uh, in the operating room and, and various individuals, children, working with them, trying to save their life, and the ones that everybody would say, Ben – they're not going to make it. Well, he was the one that said, they're, they're right now, they're in med school at some college, but when they were in their mother's womb, I mean, their their brain was 
just beyond repair to most people. He said, but you'd be surprised on the ones that made it. He said, the Lord, he said, it was too many, too many times that they said they'd never, they're not going to make it. And they did make it. And he accented that. He said, so, you know, you try to help people the best of your ability. And he said, but many times he said, I thought the Lord did that because everybody said, no way, he'll never make it. All the info on him. So uh, he gave one story after the other, which was pretty, pretty interesting. It is. And, you know, he and he actually operated on uh, babies in the womb, right? That is, is that correct. what I'm understanding? From, oh, yeah. Yeah, some of the stuff he said. Oh, yeah. Which is incredible, which kind of takes us to what we were going to talk about today, other than our where we all are and what we're doing. You know, he's doing. the only brain because surgeon I've ever actually talked to. I, I, don't, I don't run in, in the... In, in the <laughs> places where there's brain surgeons i just never have come that far up i just think it's a testimony to how the lord brings people together from different backgrounds by the way 50 different people visitors were yesterday in our little church here you know up there in uh west monroe monroe so there's about 50 showed up they were from about seven or eight states but uh the words being beamed out, and they all came. We had a big time yesterday morning, you know, baptized a couple. That's what I'm saying. The work rolls on. I saw the picture of you and Dr. Carson in the side-by-side, and I just, I'm like, Jace, I just marvel at when God brings people together, which kind of, by the way, is what we've been talking about. The whole point yep. is about a divided nation, but if you had some commonality in your in your faith in God, you might be able to find out a way to work it all out. Yep. Um we wanted we wanted to talk today a little bit because since we were last on the air, of course, last week, last Friday, the uh, Supreme Court basically reversed Roe versus Wade, which is a big deal, obviously, for a lot of different reasons. For fifty years, you know, this has been become the precedent and law of the land, and so now there's the, the changing landscape. And of course, by the time this airs, you know, we we have been going through several days of, you know protests and a lot of different things that are going on around the country. But I wanted us to all kind of weigh in on it uh, and talk about that for the rest of the way today, which you led into it, Dad, because this idea about just if a baby's in the womb, it's not a person. But, you know, if you got a guy like Dr. Carson going in and operating to help this child who's alive to have a better life once the child comes out, I'd say that's pretty much that sounds like life to me. Um, I've never seen. Happen, right? I've never seen people at their age level. It looked like all the hecklers and all. They're in their twenties, from what I could see. And they're. I've never seen human beings in mass jump up and down and squeal and holler with glee. With glee, we have to kill them. You have to let us kill them if we want to kill our children. I've just never seen anything like it. Well, I mean, look, my take on it, if you, because I've been around more news in the past 10 days, just, just me sitting in the green room at these shows, listening to them talk. But actually, the decision didn't really specifically address abortion, per se, or, or life. It just, they, the Supreme Court said, we don't have the power to rule on this. It should be given to the people. It's, it's, not, it's not in the yeah. It's not in the constitution. But it's not a constitution. In that moment, I thought, okay, well, wait a minute. So now, the people, mostly Democrats, are rioting because the people can now decide through democracy. <laughs> how to rule on this and and it just kind of hit me in that moment i thought well wait a minute shouldn't shouldn't the democrats be happy that we're going to use democracy to make this so you know it it's something else here because when you start looking at the arguments like for us who who believe that god is the author of life I mean, I just think that it was a, an emotional, politicized event to, uh, you know, try to promote fear and 
scare people into thinking, you know, somehow or another this government control is not giving you the right to do what you want to do with your body. Because that, that seems to be the slogan that keeps coming up. But uh, right. it just seems so hypocritical to me because, we're, you know, we're coming off COVID and people who were trying to exer- exercise their right to say, I don't want to take a vaccine or wear a mask. They had a completely different opposite view of that. And then when we're talking about life here and human beings coming forth. All this stuff that the, the Supreme Court, they said it's not out, it's up to the people. Well, it's really up to the people. This thing about we need more gun laws and we need more laws governing life when a baby's a baby, all of that. We have the code. Commandment number six of the top ten that God wrote. God writes it and he gives it to the Jews on Mount Sinai. Commandment number six is short and to the point. Do not murder. Don't do it. You break the law if you do that. So the law's on the books. It's been there 2,000 years before Jesus showed up. So that's another 3,000, 4,000. It's an old law, but it will work. Don't murder. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. No, I agree. It, it, but but I on, think. Hang on, Jace. Right. Hang on, Jace. Let's take a break. So we're talking about um, Roe v. Wade. And as Jace rightly pointed out, it's basically just what, what I believe should have happened back in 73 was they shouldn't have ruled what they did then, but they did. And so we've been living with that. But they kicked it back to the states. And, Jace, you're right. It's um, it's back to a Democratic choice now by state. So, and most of the states have already made their move. Um, I think there's 11 the last time I saw the list that have basically banned abortion. And including our, Louisiana. Our state right? is one of those. Including yeah, Louisiana, Louisiana is one of those states. Yep. And so there's and there's 11 others. There'll be some that have gone the other way. Um, you know, New York, they'll go right up until – right before a baby comes out. So you got a wide ranging view by state on this issue. But I wanted to talk a little bit today about just sort of the biblical narrative. I think Jace is right. I think we're, we're trying to reach people. Some of the stuff I've seen, the signs and the, the rhetoric um, out of the people that, you know, are upset have been graphic to say the least. And, um, you know, I just, you want to try to reach these folks with, with good news, but that's difficult sometimes. And I think that's kind of where the camps are uh, between the two. But I, I do believe, Jace, that all of us have stories in the pro-life. I mean, Lisa and I are super engaged and involved, but so are you. I yeah. mean, you had opportunities to talk about it today. Tell tell the audience a little bit about kind of what was your take on it when y'all talked about it on Fox and Friends. I mean, look, I mean, I, I know this is a, so passionate and emotional. I mean, I got a little emotional. I don't think you could tell on the show, but because they asked us about this foster baby that we have that came our way. They're like, because a lot of people, even when I, I made one little social media tweet when the verdict came down, I said, this is a good day for the innocent. And I put hashtag life. Well, you know, that got a lot of support, but it also got a lot of people saying, oh, you know, that's easy for you to say, and yeah, 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 I'm just basically most of it was personal attacks, or so I've heard. But, uh, you know, it's what you want to say in that moment is, look, I have a baby in the other room that his mom chose to give life, and I mean, it's a difficult situation. Missy had a ministry for years where she helped women in really tough situations. Most of the women had been abused as kids. They were victims of of, uh, sexual trafficking, you know, as a kid. And, of course, they grow up. They have no self-worth. They, you know, view all men as predators, and rightfully so. I mean, you can't really blame them. They've been just kicked around and abused their whole life. Most of them are on drugs or prostitution or whatever the situation is. I don't want to, you know, give the specifics of each one, but... You get the picture here. And, uh, well, one of these women reached out to us from, uh, you know, being incarcerated. and So she's in jail. Yeah, and, and, and gave us custody 
of her child who you know she was pregnant at at that you know at the time she was incarcerated and uh so we were just supposed to have him for a week or so and uh you know i guess I mean, she couldn't raise him in the jail you can't time. raise him there's no what there's just yep. nobody else but look and you say well how do you feel about that you know what she's had a difficult life and my wife you know, has poured love into her and tried to help her. But we we're celebrate that she chose life despite all the difficulties in her life. And so we decided to to do this. And I mean, we couldn't have been any more busier at the time, but we just we believe that God is the author of life and he has plans and purposes for each person and each individual is is valuable. And so we thought if we we stand in the gap here and give this baby love and security, we, we're just going to do it. And so we did, which has now turned into four and a half months. And, uh, you know, I shared that because I'm not going to go around and share with people that I believe that all people are valuable and made in the image of God and they're not accidents and they're not mistakes and they're not junk. They're worth something. And there's a plan. I'm not going to go out and share that and that, and then not be willing to sacrifice my time, energy, passion, and money for a baby that has no one to stand up for him. I mean, I wish there was someone in the, in his family that would have stood up and said, we're going to take care of this baby. But I think that's what the church I think that's what our job is. And uh, and look, I think with this decision, there's going to be a lot more babies that get to live. And that is exciting. Yep. And yep. we're passionate yep. about it. But it also means that we need a call to believers to step up. And hard work is involved. Look, you know what? You know what hit me? Because, I mean, I didn't read this in a book. Or whatever, but I've just watched my wife the last four and a half months, and uh, you know, there's a reason fifty plus age men and women are not having newborns. I mean, there's a lot of work. I mean, it is a workhouse all hours of the night, and I've never seen my wife so exhausted in my entire life of being with her over thirty years. But you know what hit me is that I know there are a few tough situations when it comes to abortion and and that seems to be highlighted by those who are for abortion but for the most part there's a lot of situations like i'm describing where you know things have happened and people are just out there living however they want to live and, and not worried about the consequences and they have unwanted pregnancies happen and and just out of convenience and and downright selfishness they just abort babies. Just kill them. Uh, yeah, it, it, that's just the honest truth. I mean, we've all been on couches talking to people where it seems to be the same pattern over and over and over. And so, of course, we're sharing God's grace with them and trying to get them to, to change their heart. But you know what hit me? And because on the other side of this argument is that it's like somehow this is degrading to women that they can't, you know, have this choice about their and they have all these phrases, their re reproductive rights or whatever. And I'm like, you know, the most unselfish people on the planet, you know who they are? Mothers. When you think about it, I, I think women are one of the moral pillars of our society because you just look at the unselfishness that they portray, and I've just seen it in, in, in my wife. There's a motherly instinct that kicked in. She she never once said, well, this is not my kid. I mean, she gets up at all hours of the night. She sings to that little boy, and we get to participate in watching life's blessings on a daily basis. So for us, it breaks my heart when I hear a baby's aborted because I'm I'm literally seeing this every day, even though this is not our natural born son. Uh, I get to celebrate life. So I become passionate and emotional about this because I'm like, look at this kid. He's awesome despite yeah. him coming from a world of chaos. And he and may end up, rock. and he may end up a brain surgeon. Look, and that you was my se that was H my second story. Hang on, Jace. Hang on, let's take a break.
Go ahead. That was my second story this morning, as I told about our daughter, Karina. I mean, here's a girl who came from a third world country. She's an orphan. Her grandma raised her until she died when she was early teenage years. And here's a girl, for all practical reasons, should have never succeeded. But people from the church, a family from the church, from the Dominican Republic, reached out to her. And not just on a daily basis, but just gave her Jesus. And she turns to the ultimate father through faith, put all her hope and dreams in that, and then just worked her tail off, learned three different languages, educated herself, got a scholarship to high school in Germany. Mind you, goes over there for four years by herself, gets a scholarship in the U.S. Uh, in, to a college in Minnesota, just graduated. You know, and people look at me and say, boy, that's awesome you helped her out. I was like, don't be mistaken. We didn't help her out. She was headed on this journey without us. We just noticed it and said, can we be your American family? First time I ever saw her, I said, who's that? Yeah. And y'all said, that's that girl we adopted. I said, oh, well, good for you. Well, we didn't adopt her. We just I mean, adopted her. Just acquired. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm saying, you know, yeah. broad scope. We just said. Took her in. Yeah, we took her in. And uh, she doesn't have, you know, she doesn't have any family. But to me, I'm just saying you could have made an argument for whatever her situation is. And I'm you couldn't have made an argument in my mind, but I mean, non-believers to say, why would you bring this baby into the world in the slums in a third world country when there's, you have no family structure, you know, you yep. just look at her. And so I'm looking at all these unborn children as the next potential Karina. I'm like, this girl is a warrior, defies logic for the things she's accomplished. I mean, and now has a job, a high-paying job, in the nation's capital. Are you talking I, about a success story? I think I could say, without hesitation, we recommend it, but they laugh and they scoff. This is a message we've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, the original murder, first murder recorded that I know of, don't be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So when you just look at the big picture, Jace, the laws have been on the books. The admonitions have been there. What we have, Jace, in our culture is a lack of love. Yeah. We don't love each other. Well, I agree, but, you know, and I'm just saying, I think people have to step up in this time. There are going to be more babies, and, look, there's a waiting list for, you know, the the kid that we're involved with, and and, and I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, ultimately, we, we want to put families back together, and like I said, that's kind of where our whole show got started. I mean, because people see it 30 years later, but you got to realize that God put brought our family back together. It changed yep. our hearts and our minds and our views yep. about decisions that lead to unwanted pregnancies. And so that's what you want to do. I mean, now I know this is, uh, you know, close to your heart because y'all go all over the world. I mean, Lisa's story is incredible. But, you know, before Jesus thinking one way and then post-Jesus becoming an advocate for life and so well uh, and yeah and i like it because we work sort of both ends of the same equation i mean what you're doing as well as will and Corey have done and jeff and jessica is is part of the pro-life movement that says we're going to see this all the way through because there are kids out there that are going to need people in their lives we're more on the front end of the equation because lisa had an abortion at 16 she and I had met, but then both of us were in the world at the time. And then in the time we were not together for a couple of years, she winds up getting pregnant and having an abortion. And when she describes it, you know, the deal was she didn't have anybody to go to. She's 16 years old. She didn't know what to do. She didn't know. I mean, this is only a few years after Roe anyway. So she, so her parents had believed this lie that it's not really a person. It's just some tissue. And so what happens is, they 
you know, they encourage her to get an abortion. And as much as I, and her parents are gone now, as much as I loved them, I realized they just believed what a lot of people believe that this wasn't, these weren't real people. This was their grandchild. And so when Lisa describes it, she talks about not only losing a baby in the process that she decided to, to not have and to end the, her baby's life, but she ended a generation of babies and, and, potential because now we're grandparents. So think about what that does with just one decision. And so what we try to do is talk to women on the front end who are actually contemplating. And you know what's interesting, Jay, is the look, a lot of this argument has been about semantics because you mentioned earlier, you call it reproductive rights. Even even the term pro-choice, I mean, it's not really what it is, it's really pro-life and, and pro-death. I yeah. mean, you know. Because we do have a choice. I mean, it's a God-given, we can make choices. We have the ability to make choices, and it's never The whole been thing about, is pro-choice, but yeah. so, so it makes it sound a little bit better. And here's how you know that's true. Within a few hours after the decision came by the, the court, there were about, I don't know, 12-plus corporations, maybe 20, that said, hey, I tell you what, we're going to pay for – women that work for us, which they have a right to do, it's a private company, to fly to states that provide abortion and, and we'll pay for the whole deal. We'll so pay, I thought, well, we'll pay but, you know to kill them. but you know why they're doing that? Because when you have children, your interests are divided. I mean, they're looking at it like, and they, it's more expensive when it gets into uh, uh, taking off for pregnancy and maternity leaves and yeah, so they're like, you're right. Some of it is a. I, I think it's an economic. I mean, they're just looking at like from a checkerboard game. We'll 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 take care of that because we want your undivided attention. I mean, which is. But it's also Jace, More than that, it's also one sided because you never hear anybody offer to help women who are still trying to decide what to do. And like, we'll help you find, you know, the right counsel, the people to help you through the process of an adoption. I mean, if those companies were really concerned about their employees and you're right, it's just about numbers and money, then they would provide both ways. In other words, if you're pro-choice, you should provide help for the choice, whether it's to have your child or to have an abortion. So it's not true. I mean, the thing is based on a lie. Well, there's a tells lot of lies here in, involved. Yeah. I mean, uh, what did what did Ronald Reagan famously say? Uh, he said, "I've noticed that people, all the people that are for abortion, have been born." Yeah, and, and he was just pointing out something that really doesn't. He wasn't making an argument, but it's just. Uh, let's take our last break. It's something when you when when you think about it, you're like, well, wait a minute. I heard uh, the speaker of the house just on the monitor when you know when I was there say uh, she made a statement. Uh, Pelosi, she said, well, daughters now are less free women as their mothers were because of this ruling. And when she said that, I thought, but these were mothers who actually gave birth. To these daughters, they they wouldn't even be here if that would have caught on. What are you saying? Yeah. It was like so missing the big picture of what happens that somehow or another, because a person is is in the womb that they're not a person. And yeah, you know, I told y'all uh, when we were having we're waiting on Zach. You know, I saw a picture somewhere where a, a pregnant woman was marching after this decision and she spray painted on her, her belly, not a human. And I thought, <sighs> well, it, it, that does seem so crazy to us who realize that God is the author of life. And I mean, common sense would lead you to believe when you look at life and how we're populated this is where we these people turn in to you and me and doctors and lawyers and movie stars and this is this is where we come from but it's just not it's not that easy uh to convince people well and it's there's a passionate side of it i, I want to read a couple of passages jays that that i thought was interesting because i when i knew we were going to talk about this today I, I looked up a little bit of in the old testament 
And because the Old Testament talks more about a woman's womb uh, than the new. But one of them was from uh, Genesis 49, and it was Jacob's blessing. Uh, and it said um, he was blessing his, his sons, you know, and he said, because of your faith in God who helps you because of the Almighty who blesses you with blessings of the heavens above, blessings of the deep that lie below, blessings of the breast and the womb. And I thought it was really yep. interesting because he was talking to his sons, but he laid out the principle that there's great blessing in what you said earlier about a mom and, and the ability to both you know, have a child, but also to care for a child. And so I thought that was a really interesting way that he put that in the idea of what the blessing was. And, you know, and, but all throughout the Old Testament, these, these people are in the womb. It's Isaiah 49, Jeremiah 1, Judges, Samson, uh, Genesis 25, Rebecca and Jacob and Esau. All those passages point towards a, a baby in the womb that then says, I was set apart in the womb. I was set aside as a Nazarite in the womb. Uh, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples will come out of your womb. So the idea is that those were already people from God's perspective, no doubt about it, in the womb. I mean, so if you're wondering what God thinks about it, you just do your little Old Testament study about the womb, because and you'll see that from God's that, perspective, he's the it one is that life. Knits them together. That's right. Yeah. And look, now that we have technology and videos, and I mean, I wish that somebody would just do put a documentary out because this seems to be what the you know the other side does put a documentary out show these videos where i mean they've it's a proven fact doctor after doctor after doctor say i mean babies are 14 15 weeks old in the womb and they feel pain they try to yeah. get away and fight from the needle that's fixed to be inserted in their skull and kill them yep. they're literally and that that's what gets my blood boiling i mean i watch one video and i'm like Okay, what whatever argument you were going to try to convince me that this is not a person, because I see a baby fighting just from the nature that God provided and not to be harmed and, and feeling pain at such an early age that we now can see, you can go watch them. And if, if that doesn't affect you whatsoever, I, I'm not sure what else I can do. Yeah. I mean, from, from an argumentative standpoint, which that's why, you know, it comes, it comes back to sharing Jesus. There's two qualities about God that surface when you look at the life of Jesus. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and anyone who would happen to be listening to this, you know, on the fence of this, you just think, what is Jesus like? Well, there's two things that come up over and over and over. Life and love. Those two qualities come up over and over and over. And even the initial verse that I talked about in Luke 15, Jesus was hanging out with people who were bad, who were terrible, who were doing probably the very same things that we're discussing here. You're like, why was he doing? Because he is love and he is life. I mean, that he wants to give life to all people, redemption to all people. And so I think when you look at it like that, that's our number one weapon. We need to share Jesus, have conversations, because I think he's the only one that can ultimately change the heart, mind, and soul about how we view unborn children. You are correct, Jason. But Jason, when you think about it, Jesus was the result of an unwed teenage girl who found out she was pregnant. Now that's exactly what happened. And Mary was not married. She was betrothed, but she wasn't married. And she found out from God, but still she found out that she was pregnant. So you talk about the ultimate unplanned pregnancy. Whew, I mean, exactly. the, here, here was a girl who had never slept with a man and I found mean, out that she ways, was pregnant. Of all the ways God could have used to bring the Savior into the world, you're exactly right. A very difficult situation. And people say, yeah, but they, I mean, they had God talking to them. Look, there's a lot of people on our planet who think God is talking to them. And That's most right. of these people are absolutely crazy. 
you know? Yep. So I'm saying you could have made an argument, oh, God's talking to you. You're crazy. Put her in a straight jacket. I that's mean, right. uh, that, that's what we and do. we know we know from the text, even her her fiance is what we call him today, but her betrothed did not believe her because he was going to, you know, he loved her, so he was going to quietly put her away by divorce, and then God had to speak to him and said, no, no, just hang on, I got a plan here. Yeah. So my point is, if we set the parameter that abortion is the best choice for a situation like she was in, then we would have just aborted the Son of God. Exactly. Plus the age old, so, when, when Mary said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And Gabriel, the angel sent by God, told her, said, with God, nothing is impossible. Well, exactly. And I think we should close this with, you got to remember, look, there was a time in my life, because a lot of uh, religion, I think, handles this the wrong way. I mean, we're not in the rock throwing business. We're in the God's redemption business. And, uh, you know, Al, when you and you and Lisa were uh, just early on in your marriage, I was never real supportive of her because of her past and that she had had an abortion. And I mean, you know, well, and I was dead wrong. You were clearly right. Now, I know you felt some responsibility because you were outside of Jesus right. and, and helped lead her down the wrong path. But Correct. you can't give up on people. Uh, you know, God's right. grace, you know, he transformed I mean, I started off talking about you and Kay, Phil, but, you know, you just can't give up on people. And people do things that are clearly wrong and, and sometimes just make us, you know, our mouths are open. And we're like, I mean, we're looking at babies like, don't, don't kill this baby. We'll take him. I got a, I got a line a mile long. But that's when you got to realize, you know what? We got the greatest weapon in the world, which is the greatest love story that provides transformation, redemption, and a change of heart. And hopefully, from a spiritual perspective, because I have my doubts about politically whether this will get fixed, but I know what God's grace can do to a person. It yep. can teach them to say no to bad things and yes to a lot of lovely things that our planet needs. That's exactly right. Great way to end it, James. All right, well, I got a couple of other passages we'll take a look at about this in the overtime. Uh, we'll see you next time on Unashamed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.